greatest Christian desires. And one of my greatest Christian desires is to be more like Jesus someday. Amen? In that movie, The Jungle Book, there's an orangutan. And his name is King Louie. And King Louie is trying to learn from a boy named Mowgli who was raised by wolves how to be a good human. And the chorus of one of those songs kind of goes like this. Ooby-doo, I want to be like you. I want to walk like you, talk like you too. You see it's true. An ape like me can learn to be like someone like you. Y'all have heard it before, haven't you? Amen. <laughs> now let me tell you something you might not know. The author of the book, The Jungle Book, is a man by the name of Rudyard Kipling. And Rudyard Kipling was so popular at the writing of The Jungle Book that he was basically getting about $10 a word for his books. It's crazy. So a few college students got together, and they didn't really appreciate Kipling's work. And so they sent him a letter. And in that letter, they enclosed 10 bucks. And the letter said this, Mr. Kipling, send us your best word. And so Kipling wrote him a letter back, and he said, thanks. <laughs> the Apostle Paul encourages every believer to be thankful. Enough happens in our lives that we're not really thankful for, but a lot happens in our lives that we are thankful for. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul wrote, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He told us in Ephesians 5.20 that we are to give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But today, Paul shows us how to give thanks both in all things and even for all things. The things that he says are not so much about thanksgiving, they're about thanks living. Say thanks living. If you'll turn to page 1044 in the Bibles in front of you, in Philippians chapter 4, I want to share with you what Paul says about thanks living. In Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, Paul writes to these believers that are not unlike yourselves. And he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, 
whatever things are of good rapport, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praised worthy, meditate or think on those things. And the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So as I'm reading that passage of Scripture, I think Paul is saying this. He's saying that Thanksgiving is much more than a holiday. Thanksgiving is much more than a holiday. It's actually a way of life. It's more than just a celebration of food. It's a celebration of faith. You see, Satan... The enemy of God does not want you to be a joyful believer. He does not want you having a joyful life. And so all of his efforts, all of the devil's efforts, go into causing you fear and causing you worry. In fact, the English word for worry comes from another word that means to strangle. And that's a pretty good description of what happens when we worry. Our peace of mind is strangled. Our faith is strangled. Our joy is strangled. And as a result, our Christian lives become strangled. However, the good news is, is there's a way to recapture it. There's a, re a way to recapture that peace of mind even when you're going through life's most difficult trials and life's most difficult tribulations. But it involves a process. Whenever I hear that word process, I think of Nick Saban. He's always talking about the process, amen? And he says it involves a process, a process, get this, of correct thinking that leads to correct acting. And so what he's teaching us here is, is that we need to learn to think differently so that we can act differently. How do, should we think? Well, we should become increasingly more aware that God is present through everything you go through. The thick, the thin, the high, the low. He goes with you through it all. And we need to learn something. We need to learn that we can depend on him, that we can depend on his strength to help us overcome our worries, our fears, and the life's most difficult challenges. It's a change of thinking that leads to a change in living. So as believers... Thanksgiving is not reserved for one day a year. No. We, instead, we're to incorporate a lifestyle of thanks living. But how do we do that? Today, Paul says, I'm going to give you three keys. Three keys to thanks living. The first of which, we come in verse 4, where he said, rejoice. God's word says, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, when you read that in the original language of the Bible, you're going to find that suggestion. 
God is actually commanding believers to live a joy-filled life. You have the decision to make to live a joy-filled life. God wants you to live a life so full of Jesus that you have your joy splashing out onto other people. That your joy literally touches everyone around you and they get to experience a little bit of the joy of Jesus through you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. But I'm the inquisitive kind of guy. And so I ask the question, in light of all the bad things that have happened in my life and that maybe are happening in my life, come on. Is it really possible to rejoice in the Lord always? What about the tough stuff? Can I still rejoice in the Lord always? Well, yes, you can, friend. What you need to understand is this. You don't rejoice for the bad things. You rejoice because you know that there's going to be a good benefit coming through those bad things. Eventually, God is going to work it out for your good. You see, God is the one constant in an ever-changing universe. He is constant. Therefore, our rejoicing in Him should remain constant. Why? Because God don't change. God never changes. He is the one constant. So I say it's time for us to stop wasting time with worry to stop wasting time with fear and to start living a life of joy and happiness and rejoicing in the Lord. We are called to be a joyful people. And this joyfulness is not something you try one time and give it up. No, it's a lifestyle, y'all. A lifestyle. I heard it said that if a believer goes one day without rejoicing, she really hasn't lived. If you go one single day without rejoicing in the Lord, you have not truly lived. So friend, how many more days are you going to let Satan rob you of the joy God gave you? Paul says you need to focus on the Lord. Focus on the Lord and rejoice. Why? Because then you're going to be really living. God's word says rejoice, but there's a second key to thanks living. And that is we need to guard our emotions. Look in verse 5 with me. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You see, the only way that the world sees your emotions is by the things you say and the things you do. That's the only way the world around you knows your emotions. By the words you speak and the actions that you do. Paul said, let your gentleness, that is, let your humility, let your consideration be made known to all men. Now, if Paul stopped there, we could all say, well, I better give it on up. They ain't no use. 
Because no one is humble by nature. No one is considerate by nature. No one is uh, gentle by nature. So we might as well just pack up and go on home. But Paul doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. He also says, the Lord is at hand. The good news is, y'all, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. In other words, you don't have to go through this life alone. You're not going through this life by yourself. You don't have to do this thing called a Christian life by yourself or alone. In Galatians 5.22, the Bible says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things are in you. The, for the believer, God is in you. He is always with you. And so you don't have to do this thing alone. God will help you live for joy even in the most difficult circumstances of your life. I know it ain't easy, but God will help you to live that kind of joyful life even in the midst of challenging circumstances. Pastor Croft Pence said it this way. He said, if Christians praised God more, the world would doubt him less. If the people around you saw, saw you praising the Lord more, maybe they might doubt God less. So we need to guard our emotions, not only through the things that we do, but also by the things that we think. Paul said, be anxious for nothing. Now, obviously, Paul didn't live in the 21st century because we got a whole lot more to worry about than Paul did. Amen? Amen? But wait. Wait a minute. Because what you may not know is, is that Paul wrote this letter from a Roman prison cell. Things weren't going so good for Paul. He wrote this from a Roman prison cell where many people died and where almost everyone gave up hope. But as it turns out, Paul's worries make my worries look like that small. How are we to guard our emotions? How are we to keep free from worry? Paul gives us the answer here. He says, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Translation? Give your worries to the Father, amen? Give it all to Him with thanksgiving. But notice that our prayer should also include thanksgiving. We need to be a thankful people. It, this is not simply that we thank God for what He has done for us. That's kind of easy. But we have to thank God for what we know He is going to do for us in the future. If He was God of the past, guess what? He's still God of the future. And we need to understand that truth. By faith is how we know that God is going to work. By faith, we know that God is going to work through our difficult circumstances because he's going to accomplish his purposes. Y'all hear that? God is going to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in and through your life. Friend, we have a great reason to rejoice. Listen to me. God is near. No matter what you're going through. God 
is near. Now Paul shows us a third key to thanks living. He says you also need to renew your mind. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there's any virtue or anything worthy of praise, meditate or think on these things. You see, you got a choice. You got a choice of what you're going to allow to consume your thoughts. It's your choosing. We need to learn to renew our minds. Paul shows us the correct things that we should be thinking about. He says, are the things of your mind true? Are the thoughts that you have noble and right? Is what you're thinking pure and lovely? Is your, do your thoughts lead to praising God? Listen, y'all. If you're not thinking thoughts like these, if you're not thinking right, you need to renew your mind. Now, back in the 1800s, a political prisoner by the name of Charnay was thrown into prison because he had offended the Emperor Napoleon in France. Cast into a dungeon cell, left to die, Charnay slowly but surely began to lose his faith in God. But there was this, this one spot on the prison floor where a ray of sunshine would shine through for just a, a few minutes of the day. And it would shine on that one spot on the floor. And it would remain there for a while. And then one morning, Charnay looks down at that little spot and to his absolute amazement, in the hard clay floor of that spot, one tiny little blade had grown through. That blade was something living. Something struggling up toward that ray of sunlight. That little blade became Charnay's only living companion. And he would nurture that little blade with his ration of water. And he would cultivate where it grew. And that little green blade became his friend. But it also became his teacher, in a sense. Finally, one day, there bloomed from that little blade the most beautiful purple and white flower. Once again, Charnay found himself thinking thoughts toward God. And he felt God say to him, Bloom where you're planted. Now somehow, through the guards and their wives and the gossip in the community, this little story reached the ears of Josephine, Napoleon's wife. And Josephine was so moved and convinced that a man who loved a flower this much couldn't possibly be dangerous that he pers she persuaded Napoleon to release him from prison. And so Charnay 
was set free. But before he left that prison cell, he went and he, he dug up his precious little prison flower. And he took care of that plant for the rest of his days. But he also wrote a verse on the flower pot. What verse, you might think? He wrote, If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, will he not more than clothe you? If God loves the grass like he loves the grass, how much more does he love you? Listen to me, friend. God is in control. Did you hear him when I said it? God is in control. Say that with me. God You got it. Let us never forget that. That God is in control. The Bible tells us that he will cause all things to work together for the good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. All things, he said. See, friend, God has not overlooked you. Did you hear me? God has not overlooked you. You just need to learn to trust him. To the highs and the lows. The thicks and the thins. And in so doing, you can find that you can rejoice because you know that God is at work in you. You can rejoice because you know that God is at work through you. You can rejoice in the Lord because you're guarding your emotions and you're responding with humility, bowing before the great God Almighty. You can respond and, and rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because you refuse to give place to fear. You refuse to give place to worry. Instead, all you're going to do is you're going to So rejoice in the Lord and renew your mind and start thinking about right things and not the things that the enemy wants you to think about. And when you learn to rejoice in the Lord, when you learn that skill of right thinking so that you're right acting, you're going to find that trans thanks living will overflow into the peace of God. Look in verse 9. The things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Let me ask you something. Do you have the peace of God in your life today? Or do you find that your life is Filled with turmoil. The only thing I can tell you is, is if you have no peace in your life, then maybe you need to know Christ in your life. Because there's no peace when there's no Jesus. You know, every now and then you 
run into somebody who will say, I love Jesus. I just don't want anything to do with his church. But you know what Jesus says? He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so if someone claims to the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're not actively participating in the things that we do to remember him, I've just got to question that. Can they really love him? As we participate in the Lord's Supper this morning, I want to give you three words quickly that will help you to understand what this Lord's Supper thing is all about. The first thing is this. The Lord's Supper is an examination. It's an examination. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 tells us. Therefore, whoever eats of this bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. See, when a Christian refuses to partake of the Lord's Supper, they're saying, I refuse to examine myself. When they refuse to take of the Lord's Supper, they say, I'm going to just refuse to repent of my sins. I refuse to change. But all Christians are commanded to partake of it. It says a man must examine himself, not his neighbor. So don't be looking next door, amen? Examine himself. Examine yourself. What needs to go this morning? What needs to change in your life this morning? What sin must you forsake before you can come to the Lord's table? I read about one father who was playing around at the Grand Canyon and he was pretending like he was falling off the edge of the canyon. But there was a ledge down below. And so the whole idea was is that he was going to get some pictures as he fell off the ledge onto the bottom ledge. The problem was he missed. And he plunged 600 feet to his death. Listen, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior and Lord, you are gambling with your soul. You will plunge to your eternal death and you'll land, but you'll land in a place called hell. Don't gamble with your soul. Christian, what about you? Examine yourself. What is your temperature? Are you hot? Are you cold? Worse yet, are you lukewarm? I heard someone say, don't try to straddle the fence because Satan owns the fence. 
Are you lukewarm? So it's time for an examination. But the Lord's Supper is also an expression. Today we're going to see how Jesus used a simple, ordinary supper table to teach us to say, Lord, we love you and we remember what you've done for us. You see, we were called to remember the high cost of our salvation. For you and I, it may have been free, but it cost Jesus a lot. So as our deacons come forward today to distribute the bread this morning, I want to encourage you to remember the body of Christ. Consider the body of Christ for a moment. His body was broken in many ways. His back was broken by a whip. His brow was broken with a crown of thorns. His hands and feet were broken as the nails penetrated through them. And he did all this for you.
gives thanks, let us never forget the body of Christ. Let us never forget the body of Jesus Christ that was broken on the cross for you and I. Brother Harold. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning, Lord, with thankful hearts, Lord, just thanking you for your many blessings. You bless us so richly each day, Lord. Mm. Pray that you'll bless this bread. Lord, we just, uh, it's symbolic, but Lord, it means so much to us, Lord. Yes. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. And now as the cup is distributed, something else I want you to remember this morning. I want you to remember that Jesus Christ shed his precious, sinless blood so that your sins and my sins could be forgiven. The Bible says that there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And so the sinless, perfect Lamb of God shed his blood on Calvary's cross so that we might be forgiven of a host of sin.
to give thanks for the cup, let us never forget the blood that Jesus Christ shed so our sins could be forgiven. Brother Howe. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much. Lord, to God, we just thank you for your excellent gift to us. The God in the blood that was shed for, for us so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Dear God, there's just no words to say that we can thank you so much for, mm. for this. And as we worship today, Lord, let uh, everyone remember that it's only the blood, only by the blood, yes. that you're saved. And we give you the praise for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Paul continues and says, In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So the Lord's Supper is an examination, an examination of yourself. It is an expression of, an expression of our love for Jesus Christ and remembering what he did for us. But the Lord's Supper is also an explanation. Listen to what Paul says. He says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again. That word proclaim means to explain. In other words, every time we gather around the Lord's table, we're preaching a sermon. We're explaining what Jesus Christ did as a living, breathing illustration. And so I would like for you to evaluate today. Do you recognize that Jesus Christ is both your Savior and your Lord? That's his desire this morning. Have you expressed thanks to God for his precious gift of his Son? You know, we express thanks in a variety of ways. We express thanks in our singing. We express thanks in our giving and in our worshiping. We express thanks uh, in praying and in obediently yielding to how Christ wants to use us. But we also express thanks in the words we use. Are you explaining to others how they can have Christ in their lives? Are you explaining in words to others how they can have a relationship with God? Are you proclaiming the Lord's goodness to us? The things that he has done and the things that he's promised that he will do. Friend, have you counted your blessings lately? We're a blessed people. And because we're a blessed people, we ought to be a joyful people. And giving thanks is something you can do at any time, in any place. Let it begin in your heart this morning. Scripture teaches us that we can know that we have a relationship with God. But I ask you, deep down, do you recognize that you're in a relationship with God? Or do you say, you know what? It's kind of weak. Or it's kind of non-existent. Friend, when your days on earth are done, do you have the absolute confidence 
that heaven will be your home and that God will be your father? If you don't, God's answer is as simple as ABC. Admit that you have a sin issue and that sin issue can only be dealt with when you turn away from that sin and place your faith in B. That is believing in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Friend, that whosoever is you. Will you call out to Christ? That's the C. Will you call out to Christ? The Bible says that if you will confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And the promise of God is that everyone who calls out on the name of the Lord will be saved. During this invitation time, will you give your life to Christ? Listen here. He gave his life for you. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for masterminding this perfect plan whereby we could be saved from the, the horrible penalty and consequence of sin. Father, we're sorry that it took the death and burial and resurrection of your son Jesus Christ to accomplish that for us. But Lord, this morning especially, we are certainly thankful. Father, if there's one that's here today that desires that relationship with you that only comes through Christ, Lord, you speak to them as only you can. And Lord, if there is room in that person's heart that has already accepted Christ, but they realize all oh, that relationship's weak, it even seems non-existent sometimes, Lord, let them know that the, can, today can be the day where they recommit their lives to Christ and they'll be welcomed with open arms by their Father in heaven. Lord, we pray for these things in the mighty name of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.